0: All right, if you have your Bibles, I don't know why you wouldn't in this church, Uh, turn to Proverbs chapter three, Proverbs chapter three, I was going to go back to our text because I'm continuing my series on um, how to know and live in the will of God, and I ended with um, the Lord wants to give us joy, a lot of people think uh, God's called us to join the Marines and that we're going to be sentenced for life in some jail sentence called Christianity, but I want to tell you something, I highly recommend being saved, sanctified, thrilled, filled, and satisfied, amen, with the Lord, amen, thank the Lord, and you know, I want you to continue to pray for all those that are in quarantine, I believe it ought to be quarantined, amen, there's a lot of people in quarantine that are not, that are not sick, but they've been exposed to uh, this, so they have to, they have to not be here, but it's not hibernation, it's quarantine, amen, glad that we can get out of it, amen, I was, I was quarantined for several days, and boy, the moment my doctor released me, I just um, walked around the neighborhood. <laughs> it was just a blessing to get out of the house, amen. Uh, I'm not one to stay in one place often, but at my age, I ought to slow down and say amen. I was thinking, God, um, at that graveside to see Brother Lamar show up, Miss Nell, and I looked at them, and I said, I think we're getting too old for this, and they said, no, we're not. I said, okay, praise God. If you're not too old for it, I'm not too old for it. But we froze to death out there, amen? I mean, I, a wind blowing and a 27 degree wind chill factor, but I want to tell you something. Uh, God moved and warned of my soul. i tell you what, it, it was a blessing, and there were some uh, things that was going on that I didn't quite understand and probably didn't agree with, but thank God I agreed with everything I preached, and uh, I thank God for the privilege and honor that I was called to preach uh, this funeral service. You know, I wonder why people leave the church. I wouldn't leave this church. I guarantee you that. But I know it's not the will of God for everybody to stay here for all, all their life. But, uh, you know, when they call me after 10 years of not seeing them, or, you know, they've been out of town, or uh, I know the Rices moved to Ottawa and then Trenton, and uh, the Kendricks, they, I think they moved to Ringo, I'm not sure. But I often ask, why did you leave? I don't ask them publicly. But I realize they're not mad at me, or they wouldn't. They wouldn't ask me to preach a funeral, amen. So it made me feel pretty good. And what they are, they're mad at you. It's your fault. No, it's not really. But uh, thank God for uh, for uh, people that need help and call on you, and we can be a blessing to them. One lady came up to me, and the grace side says, "You've always been there for our family." And I looked at her and I said, "I don't even know you, and I, did, I should know you, but I just don't know you." And um, at my age, sometimes I don't even know myself, amen. Uh, I do know my wife, amen, but thank God. Y'all pray for her. Our car wouldn't crank this morning because Oliver left the doors open and uh, she had to drive the truck to church. And I'm going to tell you something, it was a miracle that it made it, amen. It's hitting on two, so I've tuned it up. And so it's running worse than it's ever run in its life, amen. I got two plugs in, can't get the other two plugs in. So I guess I'm going to have to turn over Brother Gary. But uh, I, I like to try to fix stuff myself, Amen. And sometimes I need to refix it. So, um, but the Word of God is so wonderful to guide us. And that's what I'm preaching on. Uh, We're going to take up with the will of God. I was going to read that prayer. My wife prayed over the children every week. If you want to see a great prayer to pray over your children, Colossians 1, 9 through 14, it'll change your children's life. I promise you. Thought about next Sunday, just let Jason preach at 11 o'clock. I just sit back and watch my two sons preach. That'd be a blessing. But I think I'm going to preach anyway. Uh, let him preach Sunday night or so. But let's, let's stand on the word of God. I think I've got courage up to preach. And I'm just glad i got voice to preach. Amen. And uh, keep on praying for these families and praying for all these recovering. I, I should rephrase uh, if uh, there's a supply and demand on this plasma. And so let's pray they can find it. Amen. For Brother Andrew, it's not the hospital's fault. Babe. I mean, it's a good hospital. I go down there often, but um, uh, it's uh, supply and demand. It's like this. Uh, uh, one guy called me up the other day. I think it was Brother Gary Brewer and said I've been inoculated. I got ten more days and be inoculated again. I said, "You mean you got the vaccine?" He said, "Yep, amen." And uh, there's a supply and demand problem there. So we're just praying that we can get through all this. Amen. Well, let's go to verse one. My son, forget not my law. We're in Proverbs three. Are you with me? Say amen. Okay, good but let thy heart keep my commandments. There's the key to knowing the will of God. Look at verse two. For length of day and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Peace, long life, lengths of day. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them upon thy neck, write them upon the table of thy heart. So shall thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God. And man, here we go, trust in the Lord with all thy heart, lean not on thine own understanding. I said this at both funerals this week, you can't trace God, you must trust him. I can't figure out all this stuff. But look in verse six, in all thy ways acknowledge him, and here's the promise, and he shall direct thy path. I don't know about you, But I love being in the will of God, and I know what the will of God is, and I'm going to preach on how to find it and know it and live it and enjoy it. But if I would have missed the will of God, I don't know what I'd be doing. I don't know where I'd be at. I might be an alcoholic like my daddy was most of his life. But I got saved, which is the will of God for every one of you. And then God led me, and I thank God I listened. And I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. I'm just saying, thank God for his word. Thank God for his spirit. And thank God for godly people that influence our lives. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for the precious will of God. And we call it precious because there's no life like it. It's called the abundant life. It's going to be an abundant entrance when we get to heaven. Lord, it's a wonderful life to be in the will of God. God, to know, to live, and to enjoy the will of God. And then, Lord, to disciple others from the will of God, to reach others and win souls for the will of God. And, God, we know the will of God is for the glory of God, and we just pray, Lord, you'd use our little old lives as instruments of your glory, for your glory, by your glory. Lord, we thank you, dear God, for um, the peace of being in the will of God. We thank you for the purpose, and we thank you for the power. So Lord, use this message, it's very simple, it's nothing profound, but I believe it's very practical, as is the will of God. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. You know, the will of God is not that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And you can bank on this, and you don't even have to pray about it. You are death predestined to be saved. But, you know, God gives you a free choice. You can choose to be saved or you can refuse to be saved. God does not inoculate you to love him, or that wouldn't be love. God leads you, and, he, and he's good, and his goodness ought to draw you to repentance. And, folks, the will of God is for you to be saved. It's not the will of God for you to go to hell. It's not for you. Hey, and it's not the will of God that you... Um, Cause that in a lot of people's lives, and bring misery and and and, uh, and be confused and 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 be mixed up. I mean, we live in a mixed up world. Say so amen. I mean, folks, even the Catholic Church won't give the president communion because he's endorsing abortion and same-sex marriage. You say, I wish you'd get off that. I wish you'd vote right. But I want to say this, friend, God. God help us to realize that God has a plan male and female should be married. Can somebody say amen? I've never wanted to kiss somebody as ugly as me. But I've always wanted to kiss my wife cuz she's pretty and she's attractive. And I'm going to get some good lunch today. Amen. Anyway, but um thank God that God gives us the will of God and the word of God, it makes it plain, makes it practical. So guidance is promised. Uh, promised in Proverbs chapter three, he says it in very clear terms that the the guidance, the be guided by the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. How about you? And he and lo, listen, uh, it's a great life. I shall not want. Let me just say this: I guarantee you. That you'll be satisfied in the will of God. Say amen. It's like Rulu Rossi won that guy to the Lord and he showed up on the prayer meeting, didn't know how to pray. When he got around to his turn to pray, he'd only been saved five hours. He just looked up to heaven and said, God, I'm a satisfied customer. Amen. He was happy all day because he got saved. Remember the day you got saved? And folks, I want to tell you something there's more than just being saved, there's being sanctified. The word sanctified means be set aside for his purpose. And folks, you will be satisfied if you're saved and sanctified. Look at our text. It says, in all thy ways acknowledge him, verse 6, and he shall direct thy paths. The Bible says in verse 5, trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not on thine own understanding. I'm going to tell you something, friend. What's got this world in trouble is our own understanding. Say Amen. Well, I think I know what marriage is. You don't know anything unless it lines up with the word of God. Say amen. Well, I think it's all right for uh, women to become men and men to become women. That's atrocious. That's abomination. But, folks, people are actually thinking that way. That's their own understanding. and It don't even make sense. God makes us the way he wants us, and we ought to accept ourselves. Say amen. And if you don't accept yourself, you don't accept your creator. You're shaking your fist at God, saying, "Hey, I'm a man, but I want to be a woman." God, help you. Matter of fact, I want to counsel with you right after the service if there's any sitting here that has that inclination at all. I want to, pre- I, folks. We need to preach the truth in love because this next generation is going to be confused. And folks, there's no confusion about. It. Don't lean on your own understanding, but trust in the Lord. And the basis for trust is this precious book. Have you read it this week? Have you uh, have you prayed over it this week? Have you memorized it this week? This ought to be your book. This ought to be, the, it is the most popular bestseller there is. I'm talking about the King James Bible. I don't go for those other perversions where they take out the virgin birth and the blood of Jesus. Folks, don't tamper with this book. The Bible says it's risking the scriptures. But folks, here's the clear word of God to us. And it's the clear will of God. And so I want to tell you something, folks. The Bible promises, he promises us that we can have the will of God. God reveals his will to those who want to know it. And folks, there are certain principles from the word of God. Turn to Psalms 32, please. Amen. I love preaching on the will of God because I love being in the will of God. Psalms 32. And I want you to look at it. This is how to know the will of God. First of all, you need to realize God's promised you some guidance, and you don't need to do anything but trust in Him. Lean not on your own understanding, because sometimes it just don't make sense in our eyes. We look at the small picture; God looks at the big picture. Amen. We look at the underside; God looks at the oversize. There's a little boy one time that was watching his. Grandmama crochet. And he was down on the, on the floor and he was looking up and he saw all those mangled little strands of gray and white and bland threads. And then there was a few colorful threads hanging down. And he said, Grandmama, none of that looks good. She said, come on up here. And she brought little Johnny up on her lap and she he, he looked down on the top of that crochet hoop and there was a beautiful picture. And see, folks, God knows that a lot of times we look and we say, my goodness, this don't make sense. My goodness, it don't make sense that a 47-year-old and a 19-year-old would be in heaven this morning. But I want to tell you something, folks. We don't live by sense. We live by the Spirit and the Word of God. And let Him guide you. Psalms 32 is where we was going. I forgot where we was going. I got caught up in that. Psalms 32, I want you to look at it real quick. In verse 8 through 11. The Bible says this, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the ways which thou shalt go. Isn't that a comfort? Praise God. I will guide thee with my eye. Be ye not as the horse or as the mule, which have no understanding. Y'all know what mules are, are known for, amen? Stubborn. Whosoever mouse must be held in with the bit and the bridle, lest I come near unto thee. Look at verse 10, many sorrows shall in to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy will compass him about. Look at verse 11, be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. Folks, I want to say this, God has promised us guidance. Then second of all, but it is provisional. There's a lot of promises in the word of God. But I want to tell you something, folks, every promise has a provision. If you abide in him and his words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. John 15, 7. A lot of people like to take that out of context and make it a blank check. Well, I'm just going to read my Bible today and pray, and God, you're going to give me what I want not the word of God. The Bible says in verses 1 through 6 that you're the branch, he's the vine, and you need to abide in him in the essence of even when he purges you, you don't rebel against him, but you submit to him, say amen. And then you can pray what God wants and he will answer and you'll have much fruit, the Bible says in verse 8, for his glory. And then in verse 11 of John 15, it says, these things I've spoken to you and uh, that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. And so folks, there's no joy without verses one through 10 of John 15. There's There's no happiness without holiness. And I wanna say this, friend, there is no peace without obedience and there is no guidance. You must be willing, willing. You must be willing. Willing to do what? When God tells you something, do it. Why would the Father bother to guide you if you're not going to follow? You must be pliable. You must be willing. Folks, your will should be his will. And then there must be meekness. Meekness. That means you're teachable. Went over this last week. There must be yieldedness. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says that we ought to present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. By the mercies of God, all because of Calvary, we ought to yield our life. Let me just say this, and I won't go back to Romans 6, but you read verse 13 sometime. and You'll see that we ought to yield ourselves as members of righteousness as those that are alive from the dead. One day you were dead. Ephesians 2.2 says you're dead in your sins and trespasses and God quickens you. John 5.24 says this, is that uh, that you pass from death unto life. Now why on God's green earth would somebody that's been dead and raised from the dead and receive life not obey and bless the one that brought him to life? Say Amen. Folks, there ought to be such a willingness and such a meekness and such an openness and such a yieldingness because we were dead. We were residents of hell. We were headed down the wrong road and God intercepted our little old life and saved us by the grace of God and folks, now he just asks you to present your body a living sacrifice, a living dead thing. In other words, I think it's your reasonable service to present everything to God, everything, anytime, any place, anywhere, any cost. First Thessalonians 5:18 says we ought to in everything, give thanks. That's impossible without the Spirit of God, by the way. How can a mama thank God by the graveside of a child? How could you thank God for getting COVID? How could you thank God? I mean, folks, listen. For it is the will of God concerning you, the Bible says. And folks, that's faith to believe that all things work together. Not individually, together. You know my homemade biscuit illustration. My wife made homemade biscuits last night. We had breakfast or supper. You ought to try it. Boy, it's good. Amen. It was wonderful. I woke up. Happy that I had breakfast last night, so I didn't have to get have it in the way this morning. But I'll say this, friend: the master shelf can put it together. Amen. Individually, lard will choke you, or shortening, or wesson oil, whatever you modern cookers call it. Amen. A swig of baking soda. My mother used to make me. Brush my teeth with baking soda when we ran out of toothpaste. That's the worst experience in the bathroom you can have. Amen. I'm telling to tell you what's wrong. Before you put that together, flour, shortening, what else is in biscuits? Buttermilk. Individually, it clabbers. Individually, I wouldn't drink it. My daddy used to drink it over cornbread. He had some problems, but that was one of them. Praise God when you put it in the master shelf and they put it in the oven and he knows how long, and uh, master shelf always knows how long to keep those biscuits in that oven. I sure love homemade biscuits. Y'all can tell I love homemade biscuits. I love homemade biscuits so much I have to wear suspenders. I'm, I love homemade biscuits. These biscuits, that's modernism. That's contemporary biscuits. Amen. I like that old-fashioned. But folks, I want to tell you something. It works together. I mean, get this little illustration down in your hearts. and I know you got it because you've heard it 7,000 times since I've been pastor. But God works it together. The key word is together. But the key word is also, verse 29, where he makes you more like Jesus through your troubles. If you do not rebel, if you do not get mad, so God, it's, is a matter of yieldedness. But then I want to get to the point that I ended last week. I'm just taking my time on this will of God because it's so important that you don't miss it. The will of God's practical. It's not only promised, it's provisional, but it's practical. I want to tell you how practical it is. The Word of God deals with everything in your life that you need. This is the manual for life. Amen. You want a relationship? Go buy this book. What do I teach you on our couples retreats? By the way, we got a waiting list started now. Somebody's getting married this Saturday. They're on the waiting list. Amen. I'll stay home so they can go. No, I got to teach, amen. Brother Jeremy's teaching. But I want to tell you something. I don't know a better marriage guide than this guide because I want to tell you something. God thought of marriage male and female. God has the plan. God has the power. Ephesians 5, 18 through 33. Read it sometime if you're having marital problems. Before you have marital problems, read Ephesians 5, 18 through 33. Part of it's submission. Part of it's spiritual leadership. Folks, listen. If we would just go by God's word, we could trust and obey, and we could have a great marriage. Say amen. We can have a great nation. How dare anyone, here I go again, how dare anyone try to transform their thoughts as being sovereign on marriage, on gender, on life? That sounds like somebody's trying to take the place of God. And God is a jealous God. Can somebody say amen? And God's not going to put up with it. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. You're in for judgment if you try to take the place of God. And so, folks, the word of God is the will of God. Stay by the book. I just wish we could have leadership in our nation that would just open the Bible and say, what's God want? What's God say about the matter of marriage, relationship? What's God say about finances? Malachi chapter 3. What's God say about priorities? Matthew 6, 33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And Verses 24 through 33 talks about your arraignment, your height, your stature, your health, every breath, your outward appearance, your inward disposition summarizes it all and then it goes on and says hey don't don't take thought about any of that don't worry about it don't worry about it most people worry themselves to death most people worry all the time folks it's a sin if you doubt in god most people say well i'm just concerned no you're worrying folks this, this this year has been a year of stress can somebody say amen? I mean, I never thought it would last over two weeks. I'm glad I wasn't running for office. That already kicked me out. Praise God. It's not that bad, but it is that bad. It's been a year. March will be a year. We had our couples retreat, and the next week, everything fell apart. God's allowed it to get our attention, God's allowed it for us to get on our knees. God's allowed it because we're too full of ourselves. I'm talking about the whole world. And folks, listen, we need to have the priority to seek first the kingdom of God. That's God's will. Isaiah 43, 7 says you're created for his glory. That pretty well sums it up. Revelation 4, says all things were and are created for his pleasure. Hebrews 11:6 6 says it's impossible to please God except by what? Faith. Bel- coming to him. Believing that he is and a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That's the greatest verse on prayer in the Bible. Coming to him. Believing that he is. He's the I am, not the I was. And folks, he's worthy of all praise. He's worthy of all priority. What's your priority? I just want to say this, and I want to say it as kindly as I can, but I want to say it as bluntly as I can. If you put yourself before God, it's idolatry. Idolatry. Starts with the word I. Most people live for themselves. You'll miss the will of God. You'll have your will, but you'll miss God's will. Most people live for themselves. God didn't call you to live for yourself. God called you to live for His sovereign will. Uh, God deals with church attendance. Hebrews chapter 10, look at that, please. And what to do when you get here, verse 25. Hebrews 10, 25. I'm saying it's so practical. Well, I don't know where to go to church or not. Well, read your Bible, it'll tell you to go to church. Hebrews 10, 25. Let me go to back to verse 23, Hebrews 10, 23. Y'all there? Isn't it amazing it's hard to find Hebrews? It's there, I promise you. It says, let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful, what? That promised. Folks, I want I to say this. I got 100% confidence in God this morning. And folks, if he promised something, I believe it. How, how about you? Now, if the politicians promise something, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to hold my breath till they fulfill it. Amen some of the things they're promising, I don't want them to fulfill. But It says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith. And it says in verse 24, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. As Brother Alex was teaching this morning, and talking about how proud he was of his master club uh, students that, that stay here and grow up and do something for God and and I'm the, I say amen to that. It's just a thrill to see people discipled, grow, and stay faithful. And folks, I want to tell you something. The Bible says we ought to. Have, this ought to be a place of provoking to love. Love what? Not yourself. You're too much in love with yourself. You look in the mirror and start kissing the mirror, saying you're God's gift of this world. That's not pride. That's a wild imagination. Say amen. We are full of pride. We think we got it together. We get a new suit and strut in here like we're somebody. We get a new car and we park where everybody can see it. Come on, say amen. Amen. We get a raise, think we own the job. We own the we own the our career is going great. But the Bible says that we ought to love God. We ought to love his word. We ought to love one another. And to do good works. Verse 25 says this, Not forsaking to assembling yourselves together as a matter of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as we see the day approaching. We we'll have more church because the day's approaching. If you don't believe Jesus is coming, you haven't read the headlines lately. If you don't believe that we're in the last days, uh, you haven't read much prophecy. Folks, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. And folks, so much the more as we see the day approaching, we ought to fellowship, we ought to encourage. And I want to say this, friend, we need to realize that uh, uh, this will be over soon because when the rapture takes place, there will be no more COVID-19 in heaven. Say amen. I thought that would make some of you smile. There will be no more politicians in heaven unless they're saved. Let me go back to that. And then we see the providence of God. The providence of God. Look at 1 Corinthians 16, verse 9. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 9. I sure wanted to preach this next week on anniversary Sunday, but I can't, I can't, I can't stop. i got to keep trucking. 1 Corinthians, excuse me, 16, 9. Yes, 1 Corinthians 16, 9. The Bible says this, for a great door and effectual is opening to me and there are many adversaries. I want to say this, friend. You living in America, I know things are bad, but I want to say something, folks, you've got a great opportunity for freedom. It might be taken away from us soon, but right now you ought to thank God for the space of grace that we do have. I'll say this, friend, God has entrusted you with liberty and freedom to take, take, take the gospel and hand out tracts that you can't do in Egypt, you can't do in Saudi Arabia. Uh, take the word of God and plant it in people's hearts, preach on the street corners, preach in the church building. I mean live it. I mean enjoy your Christian life because the promise of God has opened up a great door. And, folks, the greatest door he ever opened up to you was salvation. It's not a door to heaven, or he just killed us and we went on to heaven. It's God's will for you to live on this earth as ambassadors and witnesses and a light in a dark day. And folks, if it's not dark out there, you don't know what you're talking about. This is the darkest hour I've ever lived in. I never thought I'd see this junk going on. Never thought, never fathomed that we would have all this stuff going on. Millions of babies slaughtered. I won't go into the list that's disturbed me greatly. That's being endorsed and put into law. God, help our nation and our world. But thank God it's an open door to us. Well, it to be a light set up on a hilltop. Salt that hadn't lost its flavor. And I just want to close by saying, folks, The providence of God is that God's opened up you an opportunity. God sets up amazing situations for you to be a witness. Wasn't it great that the thief was dying next to Jesus? And Jesus turned to him and gave him the gospel and showed him why he was dying. And he said, today will you be me in paradise? God's still setting up amazing situations. I wish I could live my high school years again. I'd be a better witness. All I had on my mind was sports. And getting my scholarship, and I got it. And boy, I'll tell you what, that was a drive in my life to be a, a great athlete and have all the girls say, boy, what a great athlete he is folks it was a waste of time I mean I got uh, knee problems I broke my leg completely in half I got half my teeth knocked off by a little Spaniard that tried to head the ball and my head was in the between the him and the ball he was five foot two and I was six foot I mean I'm still limping from all those sports illustrations <laughs> I'm still got arthritis in my big toe over two broke limbs. And oh man, I I did all that and trained and praise God, ran miles and miles and miles and practiced and oh my word, the hours I put in to be this athlete. And all it got was me a free education and about, about killed myself getting through college The last year of college, I lost being the captain of the soccer team at Georgia State University and was going to college on crutches. And the the soccer team forgot who I was. And I thought, man, I've got my priorities all messed up. But God opened a door. One Sunday night, after a preacher dying of cancer, preached on Romans 12, 1 and 2. And I said, Lord, it's not my plans anymore. I will not be an executive in General Electric. And I surrendered at that on that altar. My mother said I laid on the altar at 18 years of age. And that very night, the preacher in Claxton, Georgia, was announcing before he even asked me that I would be the youth pastor of Gospel Baptist Temple in Claxton, Georgia. And that was an open door. And folks, I want to tell you something. It all started because I was on crutches and I was in a, and I couldn't go to Schenectady, New York for the executive training program that my uncle had arranged, and he died of a massive heart attack on Christmas Eve because of all the stress of it. Lost, probably burning in hell today, because that was his God, but he was going to set little old Wayne up. Thank God, during that summer, I had the only thing I could do is keep a gym program. I mean, all I could do is sit there and watch people play basketball that I couldn't play, and sports, and I just kept the church gym open. Every day, that people come in. I said, you know, this is a waste of time. All I'm doing is sitting there watching. I said, before y'all can ever shoot a basketball, before y'all can ever do anything in this day program gym, you're going to come into this class and I'm going to teach you the Word of God. I said, you you can just leave if you want to. This is a requirement. I called it jam session. Jesus always mine. Isn't that the corniest thing you ever heard of in your life? Jam! Let's come in here and jam! Jam! And after two weeks, 13 of those little kids got saved. I ain't bragging on nothing but the Word of God. And folks, when those 13 people walked the aisle and I baptized 12 of them, or the preacher did, I didn't baptize. I was on crutches, full-length cast. There was an evangelist sitting in the back of the auditorium that was just passing by that was a friend of the church. And he was going to start a church in Claxton, Georgia. And he said that night, God laid on my heart to call you as the youth pastor of the fastest growing church in Evans County, and God set that door up. And folks, you can call it quince as you want to. I call it the providence of God. And folks, I want to tell you something about three, four, or five uh, months before that, I was laying on the altar saying, Lord, I present my body a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto God, which is my reasonable service. Folks, if you will present your body and your life and your blessings and your talents and not put them in the ground and hide the one but take the five and make them 10 and give an investment to God and use your talents, your time and your treasures, God will open doors. God will call you to be a Sunday school teacher. God will call you to be a deacon. God will call you to be an usher. God will call you to be something for his glory. It might not be big at first, but it'll be most important for you to serve God. God did not call you to be a bench warmer. When I was in college and I was a freshman, I I was right next to the coach every game saying, I think I can do better than that guy. And I was so cocky. I was so stupid. I mean, I just, you know, that's not the way you get in a game. I said, let me in, coach. Let me in. Finally, he let me in. I'll tell you something friend God didn't call us to be looking at doors and complaining about people that's going through doors God called us to walk through the doors but there's many adversaries the flesh, the world, and the devil And then number three if you want to know the will of God and you want to be guided by the will of God then you have the Spirit of God. Look at Romans 8:14. 8, Romans 8.14. I told you this is going to be a series, and I'm not in any hurry. I'm enjoying this more than I should. But I enjoy preaching. And if I don't enjoy it, I don't think you'll enjoy it. Romans 8.14 says this: for as many are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Let me just close by saying this, and I really will close the Holy Spirit will never tell you anything contrary from the Word of God. Can I say that one more time? God, the Holy Spirit, will never contradict God the Father, God the Son, and God's Word. If it is not scriptural, it is not spiritual. Say amen. I was talking to an old boy the other day. He prayed 25 minutes before I prayed. Before I preach, I'm not going to get into criticism because some family members are here and I ain't going to do it. But he was addressing God as Daddy. And he was preaching more than he was praying. And I had my head in my shaking. I was just shaking. I was so cold. And I said, Dear God, give me time to preach. Dear, dear God, help me to have time to preach. Lord, I need, and any preacher don't like a long song service. I can't believe we just do 10 minute song services, brother. Lengthen down a little bit more. I praise God, I miss the choir, don't you? Whew. But I said, "Oh God, I ain't got no words of visions. I ain't got no great celestial voice that's come to me and told me what to say, but God you laid on my heart drawn out of God. He'll draw out of you. And that was enough. I don't have to have visions. But I can come in respect to a holy God and say, God, I can't preach without you. I can't touch these hearts without you. And dear God, if you don't do it, nobody else will. Folks, here it is. When we yield to the Spirit of God, He leads. I know this is so deep. You overlook it. It's so practical. I'm talking about guidance, it's very practical. Why don't you just listen to God? When you read your Bible, do you read it for a contest to get through? We're in Exodus 9 or 10 right now, I think it is. I'm trying to get through it again, and I always get distracted. But do you ask God to speak to your heart? I was reading about that blood put on the lintel of the door yesterday morning. And I thought about the sum, that didn't probably make much sense. He didn't say, children of Israel, build a baptistry. And then I'll pass over you. He didn't say, children of Israel, do some works. Clean the house up. Clean your life up. No, he just said, take some blood from a perfect lamb. Put it on the the door. When the death angel comes down, I'll pass by. And I want to say this, there was no more joyful person than the firstborn in that home that had a daddy or mama that just trusts God. That just trusts God and did something that was a little unusual, blood on the side, blood on the top, blood on the side, Folks, the death angel's coming by. Judgment's coming by. And then he said, hey, listen, while you're doing it, put your boots on, put your clothes on, get ready to move. (laughs) He said, dress up. Put your traveling clothes on, amen. I got traveling clothes, don't you? Praise God. I mean, they're loose, comfortable. I don't put my suit on all the time. Know y'all think I cut grass in my suit. I have been known to do that and that's, that's not wise if you're married. But thank God they put on the traveling clothes. They put on the blood. God set them free. You'll never be more free than in the will of God. So many people. Think, oh, if I get saved and if I yield all my life and if I go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night and Wednesday, it's going to be such a boring life and it's going to be such rigorous life and it's just plain old legalism, I ain't doing it. Well, go ahead and miss it. But I want to tell you something, friend. Just like Dr. Lee Robinson you say, three to thrive, Brother Bobby, it's the truth. And folks, it's not just three to thrive, it's day by day that you yield to the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God ought to lead you and guide you. And the Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Wow, that's what I want. I want to live free. But folks, that freedom is not to live like you want to, but to live how God wants you to. And there's protection in it. Look at Colossians 3.15, and I promise you this will be the last verse. I mean, I've got thousands of verses I could share with you. If you'll hang around the next few weeks, I'll give you a few more. Colossians 3.15. It's a precious verse. The Bible says, In the peace of God. Colossians. In the peace of God. How many want the peace of God? Raise your hand. How many need the peace of God? It says, and Let the peace of God, here it is, rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing you in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making grace in your heart to the Lord and whatsoever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. Husbands, love your wife even as church. Children, obey your parents. And folks, Paul put it in another way in Ephesians chapter 5, And the same fruit and the same attributes and the same results, listen now, I'm closing. Is of the Spirit. The Word and the Spirit. The Word makes us submissive. The Word makes us thankful. The Word makes us happy. But then the Spirit makes us thankful, makes us obedient, makes us submissive, and makes us thankful. And then... Brings it home, makes us a Christian home. And our children are raised up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Look at Colossians 3.15. I want to give you this one word. And whatsoever you do, in word excuse me, 15, and let the peace of God rule in your heart. Let me just say this. John 10.27 says, My sheep hear my voice and follow me. That's the will of God. All of you. It ought to be every day, every day, every day, day in, day out. You don't turn it on Sunday morning and then turn it off and come back next Sunday morning and turn it on again. It's day by day. It's moment by moment. It's step by step. And folks, here's the blessing. Listen to me. Here's the blessing. When you're being led by the word and led by the spirit, which is synonymous it's a divine couplet. The peace of God rules in your heart. Now, folks, if you look at the word rule in the Greek, it means umpire. It means to judge, like the judge judged those great running events in the Olympics of those days. And I want to say this, and I want to say this clearly. The first discipline in the Christian life, the first discipline. You better be glad it's the first discipline, I believe. is when you're out of the will of God or you sin, he takes the peace of God away from you. Aren't you glad he doesn't get out the belt? Aren't you glad he doesn't have to break a bone like he did mine? Aren't you glad he don't have to take a child? Or Aren't you glad he don't have to have a tragedy come in your life? Aren't you glad you don't have to lose your home and lose your job First, Now, if you keep on, you keep on rebelling against God, he'll do whatever it takes for your will to break. So, folks, the first thing you ought to do is when you don't have peace ruling in your heart, you ought to stop right there and fall on your knees and get in the word and say, God, guide me, and Lord, help me and direct me. I think I'm out of my lane. I think I'm out of the will of God. That's why you'll never have peace unless you attend church faithfully. You'll never have peace if you don't read your Bible faithfully. You'll never have, hey, you might get a little happiness and you might get a little escape with entertainment because this world's full of it that. Amusement comes from two words, amuse, don't think. Folks, sometimes have you ever walked in and said, I just got to watch some TV so I don't think. Just, you know, i just got to clear my mind from the job. And you turn on the boob tube and praise God, it's some 17 murders per hour or some political agenda in the streets where everybody's rioting. And you are saying, boy, I'm relaxed now. <sighs> no, let the peace of God rule in your heart. The will of God is not mysterious, it's practical. And folks, I'm going to tell you something, the spirit of God is powerful. And one of the things I love about the Spirit of God, he is the convictor. Not Wayne Colfield, not some preacher, but God Almighty can convict you because I believe in the individual soul liberty of a believer and that we can have a relationship with God and we can enter into his presence and he is our high priest and we don't have to go through some priest in a booth. Amen. We don't have to go through Mary. We don't have to go through Wayne. We go through the Spirit to the Son, to the Father. I thank God every day for the peace of God. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I don't know how long I'm going to preach on the will of God, but if it goes like this, it's going to be a few weeks. But I don't apologize for it. I just want to comply to it. I want to surrender to it. Let me ask you a question tonight, this morning. Do you have the peace of God on your life? Or are you falling to pieces? Do you have the peace of God in your life? Or you're a nervous wreck? Do you have the peace of God or are you afraid of everything? You're afraid of even what you're gonna to do tomorrow. You're always in the safety zone. You don't you don't get out of the comfort zone. You just want to stay in this one little place. No change will be all right with me. God's an adventurous God. God is aggressive God. and God is a moving God. And if you're not moving, you're out of the will of God. If you're not growing, you're out of the will of God. If you're not progressing, if you're not maturing, if you're not taking on new ministries, and if you're not more faithful than you were this time last year, you are out of the will of God. You say, I don't like you preaching that. Well, I didn't. I come here to run for office. I come to preach the Word of God. But how many say, Preacher, I desire more than anything else my life to please God. And thus I know that I need to be in the will of God. And I want you to pray for me because there's some things in my life, some attitudes, maybe, distractions, priorities. That are keeping me out of the will of God and draining the very peace of God from my soul. And I pray that God would help me to draw nigh to God. And He's promised that He'll draw nigh to you. And that's your prayer this morning. Would you slip your hand up real high for prayer? I've got to raise mine. Amen. 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 Altar's open now. You said, what's this altar call thing about? It's where we bend a knee towards the King of kings and Lord of lords, and say, Lord, I'm sorry for being out of the will of God. I'm sorry. And then, and then, and then, listen, you ought to be interceding at this altar. Who is it in your family that's missing the will of God because of sensual things, sensational things? Through the prayer pressure, oh my word, I'll preach on that tonight. The peer pressure the people out of the will of God, pulling them to a sensational life, which is nothing but a sensual life missing the will of God. Maybe you need to come pray for them. Let's stand to our feet. And Most important of all, if you're not saved this morning, let me just tell you, it's the will of God for you to be saved. If you're ever going to go to heaven, you've got to come through Jesus. If you're ever going to have the abundant life, it must be through Jesus. It's not church membership, and it's certainly not just coming to church an hour a week or two hours or three hours, whatever you come. It's a walk in relationship with God. Remember what I said the first message? The will of God is not a road map. It's a relationship. And that relationship starts when you get saved. How many say, preacher, I know I'm saved. If I died today, I know I'd go to heaven. Would you raise your hand as a happy testimony of that? You know for sure. Amen. I'm glad you say, say amen. Several cannot raise your hand and you say, Preacher, you, you mean I'm out of the will of God? Yes, you are. You're missing the, the most beautiful life possible, and you're missing eternal life in heaven. You'd say, Preacher, I don't want to do that. I want you to pray for me. Would you slip your hand up high for prayer if you're not saved and you'd like to be? I want to do the most I could ever do for you. I want to pray for you because I love you. This church was founded 43 years ago for you to be saved. That's right. That's the reason we came to town. See souls saved for His glory. Anyone? How many say, preacher, I'm saved? And a lot of my family's saved, but I got some members in my in my family. They're out of the will of God, and I just want you to pray for them with me. I know they're missing it. They're not happy. They don't have peace. It's a false peace if they do have peace. My heart's broken for them. Would you slip your hand up on their behalf? All of us. I got a nephew that's breaking my heart. His name's Todd. I wish you'd pray for him. He is so gone, so far from God. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for speaking to our hearts. Thank you, God, for your will and thank you for your word. And Lord, may I say thank you for your spirit. Thank God that it's not a flesh-filled life, but it's a spirit-filled life that we should have, and a word-filled life. So Lord, please, be with these folks in this dark day, political unrest, domestic unrest, and even physical unrest, all this health stuff. Lord, may we be a light, a light, and a salt. In the will of God, inviting others to come join us. or Please be with our loved ones. God, wake them up. God, help them to see that sin is a waste, that selfish endeavors will not last. Oh, God, wake them up. Get their attention. Oh, God, may You bless these parents to raise their children up in the right kind of church and never waver from it it's the will of God we'll praise you and thank you in Jesus name